Amen, and good evening again. Welcome to Moody Church's Sunday night service. We are in our second week of this series called Citizens of Heaven, where we're looking at the relationship between Christianity and politics. Now, I'm hoping that this doesn't just add to the noise that is everywhere in our world today, but my hope is that as we bring God's word and the truth of scripture to bear, that it will bring some clarity and unity to these important issues that we're facing in this season. Well, there's certain things in the Bible that when I read through and I look at them, I am baffled by. I just think, well, how, how could someone do that? How could people do that? And one of the things that I always find in myself that, that I'm saying, well, what the world too, is when I read through the Bible, especially through the Old Testament, and there's this thing that happens over and over and over and over and over again to the people of Israel, God's chosen people. It seems like all the time they keep falling into idolatry. Right, like all the time, even at times where like the presence of the living God is like amongst them like fire. They're like, well, let's, let's build some, like something to worship. Let, let's find these gods and let's bow down and worship them. And it can be easy for me and maybe for you too to look at them and be like, man, what the world are they doing? Like why are idols so tempting to them? Why are they bowing the knee to so many false gods when they have the true God, the God of scripture. See, but the reality is that idolatry is not just something reserved for the Old Testament. It's not just something reserved for those who believe in other things. Idolatry is still alive in our world today. See, I've never struggled with bowing down to a foreign God, like an image or an idol or something like that, an actual physical thing. And I doubt you have either. But idolatry is not about the posture of our body. It's about the posture of our hearts. Idolatry is not about physically bowing down to something. It's about the posture of our hearts. And as Tim Keller puts it so well in his book, Counterfeit Gods, an idol is something that we look to for things that only God can give. And I believe that in this time, in this season in which we live, we have subtly made politics one of, if not the most prominent idols in our world. Something that not just non-Christians struggle with, but those even who are followers of Jesus, we can make idols in our hearts. And I think sometimes we have given to politics what we really should have given to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that politics are evil or bad. That's not at all what I'm saying. I think it's good for you to be involved in politics. I would encourage you that if you are able and you're registered now to go and to plan to vote. I plan to vote. My family votes. That is a good thing. It is a good thing for Christians to be involved in politics, to even run for office. So we're not saying, I'm not saying that politics are evil or that they're bad. But what happens in idolatry is when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, right? An ultimate thing, the place on which all significance and value and worth is placed. And when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, it ultimately then becomes a bad thing. So when our world and when in our own hearts, we are tended to make idols 
and politics can be an idol in our hearts. The question that I want us to think about tonight is this. What does Jesus offer that politics does not? What does Jesus have to give us that all of the governance, all of the politics, all of the policies, that that will ultimately just leave us empty? What can Jesus alone give that politics may say they can give, but ultimately it's an empty promise that only Jesus can bring us? Tonight we're going to look at four answers to this question. The first that Jesus gives us that politics cannot is ultimate meaning ultimate meaning. Now, what I mean by that, what I mean by meaning, right, is, is who you really are. What makes you, you, it, it, what forms your identity is a word that we would often bring along with this. What, what makes you who you really are at the core of who you are? See, as a follower of Jesus, we know that it is by grace that we are saved. It is through the love of God the Father displayed through Jesus Christ on the cross that we are made to be children of God. That is where, as followers of Jesus, our true meaning, our true identity should be found nowhere else other than in Jesus Christ. Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ. And this is so unique, this meaning, this identity in Jesus, because only Jesus, only Christianity offers you an identity that is received rather than earned. Right? To be a Christian means you have received grace. It's unmerited. You didn't deserve it. Only Jesus gives you an identity that is received, not something that you achieve. But in politics, it claims to offer us an identity, right? It claims to offer us an identity, a core, a way that we can think about ourselves. And at the root of it, it is an identity that is earned, right? Any status in politics comes through earning or through winning elections, right? You help, if there's a politician who's run for office and has never won, you've never heard of them. Right? Because you have to earn that right. But it's not just a career politician or someone who runs for office who, who acts or who thinks this way. We can think about this in our own lives. That our sense of status perhaps would increase if our candidate or our party wins. We talk about politics, not just as an action or a thought that we have as people, but even how we talk about politics, we're addressing core identity matters. See, when, when, when we start to talk politics, if you were to meet someone and you start to, to talk or discuss these things, what is the, the question that we often say? We don't ask necessarily what parties are you voting for or, or what policies are more important to you or how do you decide to weigh the pros and the cons of each candidate? No, we ask, who are you? Are you a Democrat or a Republican? Are you an independent or a libertarian? Are you this or are you that? Notice even in our terminology, what we're saying, it's an identity. You are a Republican. That's your identity. You are a Democrat. This is who you are. 
So why do we do this? Why do we fall prey to making politics such a fundamental identity focus of our lives? Because what happens is as we do this, if we're not careful, politics becomes the meaning of our lives, the identity, and we become a Democrat or a Republican or an independent over the identity that we have in Jesus as a follower of him. Our political affiliation can, can become more core than our identification with the savior of the world. So why do we do this? Why do we so often cast aside our identity in Christ and find our identity in politics and rulers and parties and policies? Well, the reason that politics is so tempting to us is because our hearts are so tempted by power, right? Our hearts are tempted and are drawn by power. And of all idols in our hearts, the ones that provide a sense of power are often the ones that pull strongest against our hearts. Tim Keller in his book writes, he says, in political idolatry, we make a God out of having power. In political idolatry, we make a God out of having power. And it becomes fundamental to who we are and to how we see ourselves. Not first as a follower of Jesus, but as a person who votes or identifies with a political party. Ultimate meaning for the follower of Jesus is found in him and in him alone. And with all that's going on in our world, with all the craziness that's out there right now, I want to remind you tonight of this fact that in, what is it, in 10 days, nine days, whenever the election will have taken place and we wake up the next morning on November 4th, who you are has not changed no matter who wins. Who you are, if you're a Christian, that has not changed no matter who wins. You are not a winner or a loser depending on who wins the election. You have won because your identity is placed in Jesus, not with a political party. See, a political party or, or a candidate, our identity focused to them is always one just to continue to focus on earning. In a world focused on political identity, we need to focus our identity on who we are in Jesus. We are children of God. We are loved by him. We are a new creation in Jesus. We are citizens of heaven. We are servants of the king of kings. That's who we are. And yes, we should vote. Yes, we should be active, but that's not who we are. And any identity we find ourselves in that is ultimately failing compared to the identity that Jesus has for us. And in a world obsessed with political power, I just want to remind us this morning of what Jesus about, this evening, sorry, of what Jesus is about. He's about serving others. Where our identities focus on the accumulation of power, this is the call that Jesus has to us. He called them in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus called them and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Still today, right? It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Say what, Jesus? He continues. 
And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. What? But get this, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, the way of Jesus was not just about accumulating his own power. Jesus was the embodiment of all power, right? But it wasn't about accumulating more and more status and privilege. It was about serving others. It was about giving of himself away. In a world focused on power, a defining characteristic of the Christian is to be humble or to be known for our humility. So the election is just over a week away. Our identity, though, is secure. We have ultimate meaning in Jesus. And if the results of this election or the results of past elections, but let's look forward. If if the results of what happens in this next election cycle, if that rocks who you are, with all gentleness and kindness, but firmness, I want to challenge you. If your foundation is shaken because of the election, you may have placed your identity on the wrong thing. Because no matter what happens in state government, in city government, in national government, it does not change who you are before the King of Kings. Ultimate meaning is found in Jesus alone, not in any political party that we would identify with. So Jesus alone gives us ultimate meaning. Who we are is defined by him and not by any political affiliation. What else does Jesus offer us that politics cannot? First, meaning the second and ultimate purpose. An ultimate purpose for our lives that Jesus can give us that ultimately the purpose of politics ends up not getting there. It ends up empty compared with what Jesus has to offer us. See, so let's think about what is the, the purpose of, of politics? What is the purpose of government? Well, there's a lot of different ways and textbook answers and definitions that we could find and give. But one, one simple way to think about the purpose of government is to, to provide human flourishing for the people. Right? To provide flourishing that, that the citizens of whoever are ruled over, whether that's in a, a city, a state, whatever size government, up to the federal government. It's that they want their constituents, the people they rule over or govern over to flourish. Right? I, I, I just want to remind us of that. Sometimes we think that these people are all in for the bad intentions and maybe there are. I don't know. But most people run for office because they want other people to do well. They want other people to flourish. Now, here's where things get tricky, though, because then when you start to ask, well, what is your vision for human flourishing? You start to get very different answers, right? How does, how does health care look? How does safety and security, both locally and internationally, look? What does education, what does freedom mean in these different ideas? See, these are good ideas that are up for disagreement into what flourishing looks like. And parties that have different angles, different sides to argue over, no, this would be the best for the most people. But see, as followers of Jesus, we understand that politics has a limited role, that government is given by God and has a limited role of bringing about flourishing here on earth. But I just want to remind us today 
that while the purpose of government is good and it's God ordained to us, that the purpose that God has given to us is so much greater. See, while government is here to help life flourish, we shouldn't neglect this fact. Remind us tonight of in John chapter 10, Jesus says the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus has come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life, true human flourishing only can happen in relationship with Jesus. True flourishing only happens, abundant life only happens with Jesus. Politics, government cannot offer what Jesus has to offer to us. See, politics, when it thinks about the purpose of things, is always so focused on the immediate. It's focused on the present, right? I am not a political historian, so maybe I'm wrong in this, but I don't think I am. That, that if there was a politician who ran for office and said, hey, listen, I'm going to do nothing right now to make your life better. In fact, it may get more difficult. But what I am going to do is I'm going to set up policies and things so that in 25 years, your children will have a fundamentally better world to live in than what we have now. That politician would almost always get voted down. Why? Because we want an immediate benefit. We want someone who will give us the best benefit right now. Politics is short-term thinking. It's what have you done for me now? What have you done for me recently? And what will you do for me within a very short period of time? And when we focus so much on political purposes in our world, it can be easy for us to be so focused on the present. Don't be so focused on the present that you lose sight of the eternal. See, politics are good, but they're not ultimate. And ultimate things must come first. The purpose that God has for us as followers of Jesus must come first before these things. Jesus put it this way, but seek first the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of your party, not the kingdom of your country, but the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We are citizens of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. See, that's our purpose is to first seek after God, to not get so distracted by the things going on in our world, but to first look to him for salvation, to find our purpose in him alone. See, so much is focused right now on today and this next week and what will come in the short term, what will happen as the results of the election. I want to remind us of this though. Don't let an election cause you to lose sight of eternity. Don't let an election season and everything focused on the immediate cause you to lose sight of eternity. And that's the purpose for which God has placed us here. As followers of Jesus, our focus isn't just on the present, but it's on the eternal. And we need that reminder in our world that's so caught up with what is happening right now. 
When we become overly focused on the present, on today, we lose sight of the God-given purpose that we have in this world, right? If we are more passionate about a candidate than about Christ, we're missing it. If we're more enthusiastic about a voting person, a a voting party than about Jesus, we are missing it. See, Jesus gives us our ultimate purpose. The purpose of your life is not to get a candidate elected. The purpose of your life is to know Jesus and to make him known throughout the world. That's the purpose that Jesus gave us. Sometimes it's called the Great Commission, to make disciples of the whole world. That's the purpose God has given each and every one of us. Let's not lose sight of that with the immediate focus that we have right now on politics. So Jesus gives us an identity. He gives us ultimate meaning. He gives us a greater purpose than just focused on the now, but he gives us a greater purpose that looks to eternity. What else does Jesus offer us that politics cannot? Thirdly, he offers us ultimate security. Ultimate security is found in Jesus. So I was, uh, I was reading this week and I came across this quote um, from a newspaper. It said this from the New York Times. We have had many important elections, but never one so important as that now approaching. And this is a very common thing. I'm sure the New York Times isn't the only one who writes articles like this. And if you were to Google it and Google this idea, you would probably find literally probably hundreds of websites of of political commentators saying the same thing. But you know, what's interesting about this article that I read from the editorial of the New York Times is when it was written, it was written in July of 1864. Yeah, 1864. That's a long time ago. I'm pretty sure none of us were alive back then. See, there's this phrase that we love to use nowadays when it comes to the election, that it is the most important election in history. Major candidates running for president have said this every election cycle for at least the last 32 years. That's a lot of most important ever. We keep saying it over and over. It's the most important. It's the most important. It's the most important. Why do we keep using that kind of language? Why are candidates and parties so passionately saying this on both sides? We're we're screaming, it's so important. You must, you can't forget. You have to do this. The reason we cry that out is because one of the dominating things in our political conversation today is fear. One of the driving motives in our political climate and conversation in our world today is fear. Think about it. It's the most important election ever. Why? Because the world is ending if this person doesn't win. Our country, as you know it, will be ruined if this person wins. Your liberties, your freedom will be lost if this person, everything's like it is, the, the statements are just always outrageous. They're over the top and they are meant to make you afraid of what happens should either candidate win or lose. Look at political ads. Why are so much more political ads not focused on the positives or or the character virtues of certain people, but on attacking others? Why? Because they want to make you scared of what could happen if a certain person would get elected. 
it is more motivating to scare us than to persuade us to vote for someone. And in a climate where fear is reigning, in a climate where fear is always present, and in a climate where fear is trying to motivate us to do certain things, the Bible has a lot to say about that. See, one of the most prominent commands throughout all of Scripture is the command, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Or as Paul puts in 2 Timothy 1, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That we should not live lives as followers of Jesus controlled by fear. See, when we live in fear, it robs us of wisdom. Living in fear robs you of living in wisdom, which is what God would have for each and every one of us. See, when, when we live lives controlled by fear, what happens is our, our, we react illogically from the gut. And it's often one of three responses. And you know this, what happens when we are afraid, controlled by fear, it's fight, it's flight, or freeze right? It's fight. This is why you see those videos of someone jumping out from around the corner, scaring them. And their just initial reaction is they punch the person in the face. Like that's just a gut reaction. I'm scared. I'm going to start fighting. The other, another one is flight, right? This is why when you're somewhere and you're uncomfortable and maybe an ex walks in or someone you don't want to see, what, what, what do you, like, I, I, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to get out. I'm going to walk away. The other response is freeze. What happens in a meeting or in a classroom when you're not prepared and your boss or your teacher calls on you and you get that, you, you freeze, your mind goes blank. See, all three of those responses are just gut reactions. We're not thinking, we're not using wisdom. And so often in a culture dominated by fear, the common response to all political discussions is just to fight. It's just to fight. Right? This is why it's so ugly. For some of us, maybe it's to run. We like, I, I want nothing to do with it. I'm going to completely disengage. I'm going to unfollow. I'm going to unfriend. I'm going to avoid everything that has to do with it. I just need to get away from it. But when we live in fear, we're robbed of living in wisdom. And so in a culture that is just throwing fear in our faces all the time, we need to push back and to rest in who we are in Jesus. See, no matter who wins this election, locally, nationally, no matter who wins this election, your salvation in Jesus is the ultimate security that you have. See, a politician would tell you that your security is dependent upon them getting your vote. They are wrong because your security is ultimately decided by Jesus Christ and his love for you. It says this in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them for they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the Father are one. In Jesus, in the hands of the Father, rests the ultimate security that our hearts could ever need. 
your security does not depend on the outcome of this election. It will never give you ultimate security. But your security depends on an election that took place a long time ago. See, there has been a most important election that ever took place, but it was long before this country was ever around. It was long before the world was ever formed. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says that even as he, that's God, chose us in him, that's Jesus, God chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world. It's a doctrine of election that God chose you. He elected you to salvation before the foundation of the world. And since God has chosen you before the foundation of the world, that's where your security lies. So in a world that's throwing fear in our faces all the time, we don't have to respond that way because we are secure in Jesus and what he's done for us. Any security that a candidate would say that they could offer our lives pales in comparison with the ultimate security that Jesus gives to us. So what, what, what should our response be in a world that's pushing fear on us? Well, we need to just decide not to live in fear, not to live with our lives being motivated by fear. We need to decide not to be manipulated by fear, to see for what people are trying to do and to not to fall trap into that. And we need to make sure that we're not people who are spreading fear to others. That's not what God would have us do. It's just to scare people in to making certain decisions. No, God has not given us a spirit of fear and our security rests in Jesus and in Jesus alone, not in a politician, not in a result of any election. The fourth thing that Jesus gives us that politics cannot is ultimate rest. Ultimate rest. See, politics are never ending, right? It's, it's always going. It never stops, right? It's not as if all the political news channels, it's not as if their coverage after the first week of November, they'll be like, well, we'll see you in four years. We got nothing to talk about now. No, it's a never ending thing. There is always another thing. There's always another election. There's always more to do. And if your hope for transformation and purpose is found in politics, it is a never ending thing. There's never enough to be done. Excuse me. There's never enough that can be done. And there's always another election to win. It is just an endless cycle of work, 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 earn, 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 do more, do more. And Jesus offers us a magnificent alternative to this. And it's rest. Rest for those who are weary, who are tired, who are burnt out. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me. Who's qualified to come to Jesus here? All who labor and are heavy laden. All who are working hard and are just exhausted. The tired, the downtrodden, you and me. Come to Jesus, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, we need rest now more than ever. 
And if we're trying to find our purpose, our meaning, our security in politics, we'll never find what Jesus has for us. Jesus offers us rest today. He offers us rest because he is in control. His love for us is sure. And we need to just live into that rest that Jesus has for us. We can't just be so caught up in the political conversation that we can't rest. And if that's how we feel, then perhaps we've made an idol out of politics. If we can't rest in Jesus right now in the midst of all the craziness of this world, it means that our heart's contentment is found in other places other than in him. So now more than ever, we need to rest in Jesus alone with all that's going on. Idolatry is not just a posture of the body. It's a posture of our hearts. So how do we know? How do we know if we've made an idol out of politics? See, it's not just people who are considered irreligious who do this. It's followers of Jesus. We are guilty of what we would call syncretism, of taking the gospel, but taking politics and meshing it together to try and work how we want, of trying to serve both at the same time. But whenever we do that, whenever we make a good thing, an ultimate thing, we've made an idol out of it. So how do we know if we've done this with politics in our lives? A few questions for, for us, for you tonight for reflection. It's, it's a question that only you can answer. Your friends can't, your coworkers can't, your spouse can't, your kids can't. This is only you who knows the answers to these questions. If someone were to record a day with you, would your conversations and actions lead someone to believe that you care more about Jesus or more about the upcoming election? Hmm. Have you spent more time today listening to people talk about politics or listening to talk of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you care more about who your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your family vote for than where they spend eternity? Do you think that those who vote differently than you are inferior Christians or not Christians at all? I would encourage you to search your hearts tonight to ask God to expose the idols that we have made often out of politics that have tried to replace him in our hearts. See, politics are important. Government is important. It's an important thing. That's why we're talking about it. But politics are not ultimate. So when we think of ultimate things that provide us with meaning, purpose, security, and rest, It's only found in Jesus. It's only found in Jesus. So I want to encourage you tonight to give your vote to a candidate, but give your heart to God. Give your vote to a candidate, but only give your heart to God. He's the only source of meaning, of purpose, of security, of rest. He's the only one in whom true happiness and joy and abundant life is found. Candidates, political parties and systems and policies will always disappoint. But when we give our heart to God, he will never disappoint us.
God, we thank you that our identity in you is sure amidst the craziness of this season in this world. God, I pray that, that you would search our hearts, God, where we have placed idols before and in front of you, that you would push those aside. God, help us to see you as the ultimate thing in our lives, that we would truly worship and follow you as you so deserve and are worthy of. God, we pray that you alone would be the one to whom we give our hearts, not to any party or person or candidate, but to you and you alone, for you alone are worthy. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.